<laughs> Welcome to the New Future Podcast, where we talk to business leaders, researchers, and visionary thinkers about what happens next. I'm Kate Rainscoldy. And I'm Kate Rosavina. On this episode, we're speaking to Dr. Samantha Hall, the building whisperer and founder of Spaces Alive, which is a consultancy that unlocks the human potential of buildings by making them more healthy and usable. She has a PhD in green buildings and a master of science in sustainability. She brings this rigorous background in science and research to her work to get award-winning results for clients. Thanks for being on the show, Sam. Thanks for having me, Kate and Kate. <laughs> so to kick things off, can you tell us a bit more about your work and, and some of the projects you're working on right now? Yeah, sure. Um, more recently, I've been working a lot with, in higher education with universities. So really doing a lot of community consultation and getting student feedback across the whole campus and then helping the universities understand where they invest their capital planning to get the most out of their, their physical campus. Um, but where I really focus is the human experience. So don't go and build a building that you don't really need. Um, that's got huge financial and environmental implications. So helping companies um, and universities really understand what they should be focusing on. And so can you talk a bit about the, the current project that you're working on? Yeah, so I've got a couple on the happening at the moment. Um, recently finished with helping with UWA's master plan, helping University of Melbourne. We're doing benchmarking across um, their campuses, which are currently closed due to COVID-19. Um, but that's been a, a wonderful project. We've had 2,000 students give us feedback and we've a number of elements of the campus and that's getting into their corporate strategy. They're developing some student experience objectives for their campus. Um, and the capital planning and then more recently I've been in the UK with um, Cranfield University, um, postgraduate university over there doing similar work. So just helping get that on the ground feedback from people about what's working and not working, which we often miss. I find organisations make a lot of assumptions about what they think people want and what they think people need, whereas we go in and we actually get this large scale feedback from people with lots of data. Um, so we might get 10,000 data points in one project and then we, we actually decipher all of that and interpret it for the, for the organisation. So you have some really, really deep intelligence, I think, around how people want to be using buildings um, versus, I think, yeah, as you said, like we kind of think we know what people want, but actually uh, we don't. And so you have that deep intelligence to really get a sense of what people are looking for. That's exactly it. And you've really got to understand it now because I find when we design and plan cities, buildings, we project too much into the future. People say, well, I want X, Y, and Z, you know, I really want this type of cafe or this type of workplace. But when they actually use it, it's different. Um, how people use a space and how they think they're going to use a space is quite different. So that's why it's really important to be in touch with what people are doing now, to observe people that, to really have your finger on the pulse. Um, and that, I find, is a critical pillar that's often missing in planning. Yes, that's... Um... I have a, a background in ethnography and the whole idea of that is that people are very bad in self-reporting. So you can ask yes. people one thing and they'll say things, but they're actually bad at reporting what they actually do. Yeah. So being able to, to get that insight into what people are actually actually doing is like super, super powerful. Um, so with that, that all in mind, what are you currently seeing in this kind of uh, the space around um, the workplace? And what's currently so, happening? There's been... You know, I feel like the first month of COVID, there wasn't a lot of discussion happening out there. I think everyone was just in shock, preparation, getting home, trying to set up at home. What do we do? And I feel like the tide is changing now. I can, I can see the chatter amongst organisations about, okay, what's the future strategy? How do we actually deal with this? Um, so a few things that are coming into question is, is this the death of the CBD? Is this the death of the headquarter buildings that we know because people are able to work from home? 
Um, I don't think this is binary. I think there are different preferences. Me personally, I hate working from home. Um, I don't I do not do well with it. Um, I had a setup where I had a suburban, I mean, Fremantle had a little co-working space, so I didn't have to travel very far between daycare, work and home. That was perfect for me. I don't, yeah, as I said, I don't work well from home. So we're starting to understand this spectrum as well, that some people really thrive in that home environment and others do not. Um, but I think with the workplace, nothing will return to normal. This isn't like anything else that we've seen before. It's not like people will forget about it in six months. We're going to see some really fundamental changes. And the first one is that people don't feel safe. Um, you And that safety is going to take a very long time to, to come back until we see the eradication of, of COVID-19, until we see a vaccine. So being in a crowded space with other people, you know what it's like just going to the grocery store right now, you know, you feel... You feel unsure. Um, so being in an office, sitting next to somebody, it, it, it doesn't feel quite right yet. Um, there is some some work coming out about designing bigger bigger offices at the moment. So I can't remember. It's Cushman and Wakefield. I think it was the eight-foot office where they've designed it so that you don't interact with people. I'm not sure if anything like that is really going to work. I mean, we go to an office for the human interaction. You don't go to an office to be separated from people. Um, the other thing we've really seen thrown out is this struggle that people have, particularly with kids, this struggle that you actually, the real life of managing work and a family, and it's really hard. Um, so because, you know, I've got kids on Zoom meetings and parents, you know, can't, they've got to do drop-offs and homeschooling, we're seeing that these two can't be separated anymore. So I think we are understanding flexibility is really important, not just for women, but for men as well. Um, so I think that our work hours and our flexibility will change whether we go back to a cbd office i'm not really sure i think that that is what will fundamentally change i think that's where we might see the rise of more suburban offices or centers and working from home i don't i just don't think we're going to return to that um, i mean the two biggest costs for organizations are staff and property and they just they spend so much money on on leasing properties so they're really going to question do we need this is this actually what our organization needs or can we accomplish other things, can we, are we able to put this money elsewhere to help grow? Um, and then I think we'll see lots of material, like physical changes within buildings. We're going to see different materials because we're understanding more about the surface transfer of, um, of the disease, air quality, the air that we're breathing and how it transmits through through the air and the air conditioning systems and ventilation. So there's, there's lots of those um, changes. And I'm seeing a lot of that in the facility management area coming up, that discussion about, okay, well, our buildings are actually, some of our buildings are actually quite unhealthy um, and we can't get away with this anymore. So I think we've seen a boom in real-time monitoring um, of air quality and, and factors which actually affect people's health. And we'll start to see that in any buildings, not just in offices, but in all kinds of buildings. So that you, as a, as a person in this space, you are aware of what you're interacting with. So I think that's, yeah, probably a broad, a broad view of how things will change. <laughs> And Sam, uh, sorry, okay, do you want to go? No, I was going to say, Kate, I know Kate has some questions yeah. about this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. So, um, Sam, I guess, yeah, I, I, my thinking has been similar as well, although I'm not a property expert in any way, but I, I, I was also reading the news in the AFR, for example, lately that Optus has um, announced that working from home, they've tested it. It works quite well for many people, and this is now a permanent feature. Uh, of their workplace. Now that's got me started, uh, that got me thinking straight away that, well, what does this mean then in terms of the allocation of staff? Does that mean everyone has to work from the same city? 
does someone like Optus have to have a campus in, in say, Sydney or in one of the cities? Can they just allocate their staff into regional areas? Can we really develop the regional, um, the smaller regional towns? Um, mm -hmm. um, it, to me, it, it feels like there will be a lot of growth in those regional areas, especially if our government decides to invest um, into infrastructure as part of the um, recovery from from this economic crisis so how, what, what's your view on this on the regional areas I, I think definitely um, we can see growth in those areas and we need to see those employment boosts in those in those areas and there's been a number of um, projects over the years from the government trying to build up satellite cities and trying to build up the population density in those areas and it just hasn't really worked um, I think we'll start to understand what kind of work can happen in those centres as well. What I find that we haven't done particularly well is that offices tend to, the design of office, offices and workplace tend to move in trends. Somebody does activity-based working, which you may have heard of, where yeah. people, you know, it's hot desking. Um, one organisation does that and everyone copies it because they believe that it's the most productive solution. And it's not. I've tested some of these offices. It doesn't work for everyone. What I think we'll understand now is companies like Optus will go, actually, this works for us. We can work from home. We can have people in regional centres. They don't need to be coming into a headquarters. So this call centre um, methodology and structure, we, we understand that that can now be decentralised. And that's what I'm hoping we'll start to, to look at work more as the types of work that people do and what they need and what can support them so that we don't just design in these trends for everybody um, because mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily work. But um, I think that would be wonderful to diversify our employment opportunities so we don't have people needing to come into a CBD because it, not everyone can, can do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'll be great for, say, working parents and for, for people who need that flexibility at work. I think that will be quite a big um, advantage for, for many uh, people. Uh, yeah. uh, and also, I guess, another thought that I had, that's a question for both um, uh, Kate and Sam. Um, what about um, things like VR? I guess it's all good to work from home, but it's still important to be interacting with your colleagues. And if I'm working in a regional city somewhere, I might not have too many opportunities to actually meet in person with some of my colleagues in other offices. So, mm -hmm. we, you know, Kate is, a, is an expert in VR. Is there room to sort of set up, I don't know, VR spaces in buildings or something like that? What's the future in the high, what's the high tech solution? We still need to bring people together to, to come up with new ideas to think creatively. Maybe you kick that off, Kate. <laughs> um, yeah, so actually, I think what's interesting yeah. is, is so right now we're already seeing um, interest in the use of VR for the idea of kind of shared spaces, because, I mean, Zoom is great for having conversations like this, but, you know, the reason we go to conferences and the reason we gather together um, is because you just can't replace that, you know, being able to physically connect with people, um, have that serendipitous run in at the networking event, you know, be able to just go and have a, a casual conversation with and build that kind of like relationship um, and that connection that's that's kind of more informal, more casual. Um, and you can't really do that on Zoom because it's like, OK, we're going to have a Zoom call and it's, you know, about this and it's all very, you know, formal. <laughs> and so what's happening, especially in the event space, um, but also for and looking at for collaboration is being able to actually have shared environments where you can actually have a space with a number of people in it and you're thinking about it like almost like the third space, which I think is another really important bit around the workplace and even for, for educational contexts, having that third place, that idea of 
um, somewhere that's kind of in between work and home and in between formal and informal where you can go and have those conversations. So recreating that in VR, obviously it's not as good as the real thing, but it's better than Zoom. So that's starting to happen in terms of the event space. I think it's still pretty early. The technology is kind of at, the, it's like the beginning. It's very much on the kind of cusp of things, uh, the cusp of it being really usable and friendly. But I think longer term, what's going to be interesting is what, uh, for example, Microsoft is doing in the mixed reality space. So using what's called the HoloLens to actually, um, the, the, the HoloLens team, which is basically like a mixed reality or augmented reality tool, they actually meet, they work across the world and they meet using the HoloLens technology. And it allows for you to actually be able to interact with objects that are in different parts of the world or get tours or like augment and make notes on things. So it's a way to really allow for that, bringing in that shared physicality that you wouldn't have normally. So I think that that, like if you're gonna be working regionally, um, and really kind of that natural extension of, of us being able to work from wherever, I think tools like that are gonna be really, really important. Mm. I mean, I, I, I think we definitely need this because I find the conversations on Zoom are helpful, but it does not, it, it's nothing compared to being in a room with people. Um, I've been monitoring a lot of the conversations happening with students as well. You know, they're, they're having their tutorials and lectures on, on Zoom at the moment. Um, and I listened to a really interesting discussion the other day on ABC talking about does digital learning, is, is this it? Is this what universities are now going to be, digital learning? And the conversation was really interesting about you can't replace that interpersonal connection that still happens in a room when you you suddenly have that idea in a lecture and you ask a question, you have that interaction that opens your mind, you know, you, you just have a couple of those those really amazing connection points. And that's what I feel like it, the, the technology needs to support our work, but it will never actually replace that human connection. So even if we ha do have these regional centres, I think that our ability to, to meet and create this human connection is important, but we're still going to need to bring people together. And I don't know what the future of conferences will look like. Maybe we do away with these mega conferences because people are not going to be comfortable having 2,000 people in a room. It might be that we go back to a more cosy style of, of meeting where you could have a bit more one-on-one -on -one interaction because sometimes even in those conferences, they're very motivating, but you don't, you don't really get that one-on-one -on -one connection with people. Um, so I think we'll have to work. There'll still be that cost of, you know, having to bring all of your staff together and, mm. and helping create that connection. Because I think otherwise we could face high attrition costs because people get lonely. Yeah. You need to have that, that company. You need to have those, the, a way of bringing people, people together. And, and, you know, I can see it with the students. Students are really struggling to motivate themselves to get out of bed, to, to participate because it, it's just not quite the same feeling. Mm. And I, what I'm seeing is like, as you say, it's like a mix between, the interest seems to be in, okay, well, maybe we're not going to have an entirely online conference, but what we want to do is have maybe like local um, gathering points for the conference where people can meet in their city and maybe there's 50 people that gather and then they can connect with the rest of them via oh. VR. So that kind of in between where it's getting the best of, okay, we don't want to travel, we don't want to be in big groups, um, you know, for example, because maybe we don't want to contribute to climate change but yeah. we can still have that, you know, connect with that, have that global connection and have that human connection as well. So it's kind of figuring that out. But I think, yeah, we're not ever going to replace, I mean, we have this kind of moral panic around um, new technologies all the time. Like, oh, are we all just never going to talk to each other anymore? And the truth is kind of somewhere <laughs> in between, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's And we've been thrown into this digital world much more rapidly than we thought. And I think we are going to step back from this and go, okay, what do we take from both of these worlds? What, you know, we obviously can realise that most of us can actually work from home. We can do this, but we miss these elements. So how do we create that middle ground? Mm. Mm. Exactly. So, so Sam, um, what are, are there any things that you're seeing that are, kind of unexpected outcomes of COVID-19 for workplaces and what might happen next? Um, unexpected outcomes. I think, I mean, we've covered, we've, we've covered quite a lot. I think one thing that people are realizing is how, um, how much time they spent getting to work. Um, you know, congestion in our cities, particularly for you, Kate, in, in Sydney. Yeah. Um, you suddenly realise, like, I've got, you know, even my, my partner, I've got an extra two hours in my day because I'm not stuck on, on public transport. And I think what that's highlighting is we, we in Australia, we don't do density particularly well. It's not that density is bad. Density is wonderful. <laughs> we haven't designed all of the infrastructure that we need um, particularly well, which is why you might get stuck in traffic for a couple of hours. And if a train breaks down, well, then that's it. That's half your, your work day gone. Um, so I think that organisations are starting to realise as well how much time is lost or, you know, the inconvenience to their staff because of that and that they need to actually consider that. Um, if we start to look inside buildings, we, the the impact of buildings on our health has definitely shot up. So I've always found this has been in the background. It's starting to get a bit of traction. Um, but now we're really starting to understand, wow, if we're all in an enclosed space and we're breathing in this air, it's actually not good for us. So I think we're going to see a, a rise in healthy building certifications and an understanding of how buildings uh, affect our well-being, which is great. That'll also come into the home environment as well. So it's starting to look at how we set up our homes to be really healthy spaces. Um, I think as well there's been a lot of discussion about the crossover between health and climate change and we're seeing cities with poor air quality are having higher cases of, of COVID-19. So we're starting to understand these health impacts outside of the buildings and into the greater um, urban environment. Um, the value, you know, the value of parks, of being able to cycle to work, of, um, of having all of this basic infrastructure that supports your, your well-being. I think that's, the, the, you know, that's really being highlighted now. Just the ability to go and walk in a park. If you're in an area that doesn't have any parks, you're at a, you're a real disadvantage at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that answered it. I went <laughs> no, that's great. Um, yes, sorry, okay. <laughs> so, um, are there, would you, would you say there's a top three things that, um, so it's kind of last question. Actually, no, before we jump to that, I want to, I want to ask you, um, so we kind of talked about what's happening now and what's happening in the short term. Do you have kind of a vision of what you would really like to see? Like, what should we be doing? If you were kind of making these decisions, what would you be saying we should do and learning and doing from all of this? So I think this discussion about suburban and regional development is what I would really like to see. I, I don't think that we all need to be travelling into a CBD and having headquarter offices in a CBD. It's kind of silly when you step back and actually actually look at it. Um, it's great for businesses that have strong networks within that CBD environment and they need to be interacting with people, but not every business is like that. So I would like to see more suburban co-working spaces and regional co-working spaces. Um, so 
you know, if you work for Optus, you're working from home, you don't have to be at home. You can still go into a, a central space and be around other people. And I think that that would see the rise of our high streets again, because we're starting to see, um, you know, with the drop in retail, we're seeing suburban areas really drop off. It's really hard to draw crowds to get the density. The, the corner store kind of died off, you know, cafes are struggling a little bit. So I think if we can bring that density back into the centres, that'll be a huge economic boost. And then that'll support the development of the cycling infrastructure, the public transport infrastructure, the parks, all the things that we need to actually make a great life, a great local life for us, um, rather than this crazy sprawl that we have in a lot of Australian cities where we just build out, but we don't have all of the amenity to support a really great lifestyle. That's what I would really like to see. I want to see us question the way that we work, the way that we run our lives every day and actually think, does this make sense? Is this why, why are we actually doing it like this? Um, and take this opportunity to, to really diversify. Because if we go back to this CBD life again, we're just doing a band-aid on all of these problems. Whereas this is an amazing opportunity to really rethink how we, how we work. That's a beautiful vision. <laughs> Hopefully it'll happen. I know. Yes. I know. Yes. And, I, and I, I think now that we've all mm -hmm. had the opportunity mm -hmm. to actually have our habits changed, it's like mm -hmm. the impossible is now possible because we've mm -hmm. kind of had to do the impossible in the past few weeks. So it's, you know, mm -hmm. if now, now is like the time that we could actually do this. So, yeah. And I don't know about both of you, but I've noticed um, my neighbourhood's come to life. You know, I've met more neighbours than I have before. I've had great discussions with people. We have the, you know, the teddy bear trails so that kids can go on the bear hunts, the rainbows yeah. on the sidewalks. It's really, really heartwarming. And I was listening to a podcast um, last week and they were talking about the Chicago heat wave, which I think was in the 90s, and they examined um, death rates and areas, suburbs with low human connection had much higher death rates because people didn't have these connections to ask for help or to, to reach out. So I think it really highlights the importance of this, this human connection on a local level. Um, and, and how much we need to revitalize that and really focus on that and how beautiful it is. Mm. Exactly. And also just seeing everyone free up that time, um, where people don't have to travel, everyone's riding their bikes now. It's just beautiful to see that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a really healthy lifestyle. Um, I mean, the things that we have to, you know, it's not just as simple as getting people to work from suburban centers. We need all of this to support it. We need we still need gyms and cycleways and um, access to grocery stores. So it's it's not just fixing one thing. You know, this is systemic that we have to actually build up these centres with all of this amenity. And that's what we do pretty poorly at the moment. We don't build centres of density with all this supporting amenity. Things will be missing. So I know there was some there was a big development in Melbourne where they were promised public transport and and grocery stores, and that didn't happen. So you've then got people stuck in their cars trying to travel because they don't have that supporting infrastructure. So it's, it's a formula that really has to be put down and understood um, to create a real, a real density center. Mm. Absolutely. So to wrap up, Sam, um, what are the top three things businesses need to know about um, the new, uh, the new future of the workplace? So I think probably the first thing is really knowing what your own business needs. And, you know, we talked earlier about these trends um, and people following trends and what other organization, organizations do. I think this is the time for introspection and understanding your workforce, what your people are saying, what they're doing, and then 
building a strategy around that rather than trying to compete with other organizations. I think we can learn from each other and I think that's really important. I think being able to collaborate and see what other organizations are doing. But we've got to change this competition mindset to a collaboration mindset and I think that's important. I see that a lot in the building space. You know, it'll be, we're the first workplace to do this. We're the tallest building. We've got the biggest space. I, I would love to see, see that shift to be an internal learning and introspection. Um, understanding the the barriers for staff at the moment is important so knowing that there's still going to be this fear that's around for a while and making sure that communication with staff is is really clear and empathetic towards that and knowing the struggles of homeschooling um or you know trying to balance all of this this work life um and, and i've seen some particularly in the universities i've seen a lot of angst amongst um, the staff they're really unsure about the future they're unsure about job security so there's just so much uncertainty uncertainty so I think to get to the next stage we've got to be able to provide a safe environment for people um, because the mental health implications of this are going to be very long lasting um, and I think finally I mean the future is different like I think we just have to embrace that it's going to be very different we have to let go of what we've done in the past and be really open to change and to new ideas and to co-creating um, the future workplace with with staff and, and with those in the organization and just having that really open mindset. Oh, that's a great, great place to, <laughs> to leave it off. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. What a great conversation. I think we have some really great insights into, uh, yeah, what's happening, what we need to do, what we need to think about next. And as we approach this kind of new, new future, which is has exciting, has lots of new opportunities. Thanks for the discussion. Very interesting. Yeah.